Hello, and welcome to the very first edition of the Tentpole Film Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Borrow, and today I have two very special guests over from Review This Mother, Will Hitt and Tom Hammond. And today we'll be reviewing the 1992 adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola. So I think I'll start with the synopsis. It's a rather jovial synopsis, quite a supposedly dark film, but it's, a, it's an adaptation of Bram Stoker's classic vampire novel. Gary Oldman plays Dracula. Lonely soul is determined to reunite with his lost love, Mina. In Britain, Dracula begins a reign of terror and seduction, draining the life from her closest friend, Lucy. Together, they try and drive Dracula away. Hammond, I know you... Do they? I don't think that's a very... That's not a very accurate synopsis. No, it's Together. Lucy, yeah. does, Lucy does fuck all to drive them away. She's lying down a lot of the film, has been said. <laughs> Most of the runtime. She's, she's come out very well. Either. Synopsis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so we've got Winona Ryder playing Nina, Sadie Frost mm. playing, playing Lucy... And supporting cast, we've got Keanu Reeves. Yeah, He's yeah. John, isn't he? Uh, yeah, John. Jonathan Harker. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Hammond, I know you've seen the movie. Well, you haven't, but you've, you've done oh, your yes. research nonetheless. I've seen both the Twilight Saga of films and Dracula Dead and Loving It, uh-huh. the, the Mel Brooks adaptation. So I think with those two things, I've, I've got... The kind of so you're sort of, you're sort of the contextual expert that we could turn to and say, you know, how does that match up to vampire law? Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Like okay. The kind of Cornell professor of Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> you're very confident in your job title. The Cornell <laughs> Dracula. Um, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw. I watched. Uh, I watched the film last night to refresh my memory, and I have absolutely no idea what I think of it at all. Like, I'm, no I'm on the same page. So I've I found this movie to be a complete enigma over the years because I, I've always sort of wanted a sort of pinnacle of the, the on-screen Dracula, and I thought on the surface this looks amazing. The poster's cool. Francis Ford Coppola, Gary Oldman. I mean, what could go wrong? Mm. But it seems like this movie's more scary nor that sexy, nor anything, really. I mean, it's just, it's just a complete mismatch of things that forms a sort of quite bizarre average. Well, my main question is, why, what, what, okay, it's, it's, it comes in several component parts, but when you first meet Gary Oldman as Dracula, he's young warrior bloke. He stabs a cross, and that makes him a vampire, um, and then you meet him and he's old and then he's like a baboon and then he's <laughs> old again. and like every so often someone will open a box and like a sort of chintzy old gift he'll appear in a sort of sparkly outfit and go Aah! and then that'll be him gone and then he's kissing Winona Ryder I mean again this isn't really a question just a series of observations He's kissing Winona Ryder. Keanu Reeves comes in, and then suddenly the baboon form of him <laughs> dangles upside down. It's like, Argh. like what is what is he? Apparently, he can float through air. Suddenly, he's green mist. 
What well, is that's, the... I was going to come to the green mist because I thought that's, the, that's by far the weakest death of the movie where Tom Waits' character who plays this, this sort of madman has been locked up in, in, in Transylvania uh, uh-huh. for, for hundreds of years seemingly somehow gets picked up by a green mist which is sort of Dracula in mist form and kind of picks uh-huh. him up and then sort of throws him against a sort of throws jail against... cell Yeah, throws him against a gate three times Yeah, yeah. That's not <laughs> how Dracula kills people <laughs> I, I, I think re re the baboon. It's yeah. it's like in William Blake's The Tiger. So he mm-hmm. writes about a tiger as this kind of mystical evil creature, and obviously reading it now, hysterical. Yeah. Tigers are lovely and they're cute. Sure. But when and it's the same with a baboon, we see it as a kind of comedic figure. But when Bram Stoker mm-hmm. wrote it, the baboon was actually sure. the most terrifying of all animals. Yeah. <laughs> and he spoke of the baboon the way we might speak of a dragon. So, so, so when you read William Blake's The Tiger now, you're just sort of sitting there chuckling at the naivety of it all. Yes. Because really they're playful creatures that you can frolic amongst. Yes. In the same way that when I saw a baboon, well, were uh-huh. I watching it in 1908, mm-hmm. I was like, ah, sure. uh, what, a, what a horrible mix of creatures. So when you watch that scene in Tarzan where Jane is chased by the baboons, you, you, you think it's the height of farce because really they're just <laughs> a bunch of playmates who want to have a good time. And Jesus, <laughs> I'm, I'm out, yeah. yeah. Or, or I think how have so many vampires made it into this... <laughs> Supposedly non-vampire related film. <laughs> what a weird crossover. How many forms does he take in this? So he's got green mist form, baboon form, mm. rat form, man bat form. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, what's what why is he turned into rats? So he's backed into the corner. Yeah. Nobody backs baboon into the corner. They just say somehow just see yeah, how forms as this kind of big baboon rat sort of amalgamation. When he do- when he turns into the rats, someone's like, get them. As if like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kill everyone. We're gonna gather all of them back. A giant game of whack-a-mole, and then then that'll be it for Dracula. Well, but also, when when he turns into a rat, is it just like individual parts of him? So if you were to capture one rat and say like squeeze it to death, you then just <laughs> then get like a death part of leg. <laughs> yeah, it have a slightly kind of grey, like toenail. Mm. Oh, we need all of him. I found the most well, harrowing that, part of that, that scene though was Keanu's wig, because Harker's character is supposed to get older after being uh, seduced by Dracula early on in the film. But he, like, visually, sure. he, he doesn't become older. His his hair just no, becomes he, whiter. His hair greys a bit, and then at the end of the film, it goes brown again. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I mean, that's like, it. I Keanu's like, yeah. by far the weakest part of this movie. We can agree on that, right? Well, I mean, I, I think that Tom Waits, when he, there's a bit where he's holding a tray of insects and uh, he says, canapes. Um, and I think that's probably the worst thing to ever been captured on film. But yeah, no, I, I, do, I do agree. I like that Keanu starts by doing a sort of not particularly convincing transatlantic accent. And then three quarters of the way through for one scene over dinner, he's properly doing a sort of posh, loud, mad voice, which never <laughs> reappears again. 
No. I've had it with these bloody wolves. It just sounds awful. It's just awful. No, I think I think accent-wise, though, it's Anthony Hopkins, Van Helsing. I just can't. He has this terrible sort of Dutch accent mixed mm. with sort of Welsh. Welsh yeah. is sort of like Nosferatu. And then... Uh... <laughs> well, that's Hopkins for you. He's an unpredictable man. At least he didn't have any sort of diatribe, like sort of Westworld style. But yeah, he just goes off on tangents. Yeah, I think that was scripted. That wasn't Hopkins just confused <laughs> on the set of Westworld. I think I've been here before, many years ago. <laughs> Anthony, we're filming, mate. I find the on- on-screen chemistry as well, between not only between Keanu and Winona, but Oldman and Winona is just non-existent. Well, I think we're relating it back to uh, Twilight, the Twilight sure. saga of films. I think what what's really lacking in Dracula is a kind of love triangle of vampire girl and wolf. Because I think with with Keanu Reeves' character, mm. there's a lot of the kind of drama is taken out by the fact that he can't at any point transfigure into anything. It was a viable sexual I mean, option. I think because of the fact that, that Dracula himself turns into a baboon, uh, they, they thought there would be too many transformations if Keanu, I don't know, turned into like a duck or something. There's a weird kind of threesome scene with Mina kind of picking between baboon and duck. (laughs) Yeah. And she's not entirely sure what picking the duck means. Like, does that mean that she has to also become a duck? A love scene in a Chinese wet market. (laughs) Um, because I mean, in, again, in Twilight, you could you could pick Team Jacob or or Team Edward, whereas sure. I didn't feel any kind of team allegiances at play. What what team were you in Twilight, Will? Oh, I, was, I was Team Edward, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that but, it's the the logical team to be on, but um, yeah. there was something about Jacob being on Team Jacob. You know, it was like the, the underdog team, where like he's yeah. not going to win. And indeed, in real life, Taylor Lautner won't win at anything. He'll and die yeah, like the rest of us. He will. He will. And but yeah, I, I'm which thinking is, about which is what triangle. Dracula has on his side. I'm thinking about the love triangle in in Dracula and how Keanu Reeves doesn't seem that bothered about the fact that he's sort of they're they're married, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah, do yeah. get married, and she's sort of like just clearly not that into him at all into the weird baboon man Keanu's about to, to shoot him in baboon form and Winona goes oh no no stop and he doesn't contest to it whatsoever he sort of no, like holds his gun down he's like, oh, so like alright okay well if you say so yeah, I, th- I think the fact that that early into a marriage you could be swayed by a not particularly attractive bearded Gary Oldman I think sure. even after the film finishes you think well this marriage surely can't last it's a good litmus test. Say what you like about Neil and Christine Hamilton. We put Christine Hamilton in front of a young Gary Oldman and she was like, I'll keep Neil. Thank you. There's also that vignette scene where there's young Dracula who meets Winona and then they have this really awkward interaction when they sort of walk past one another in the street. And then he asks, where's the nearest cinema? And she goes, if you want the height of entertainment, you don't want to see a movie. Which is obviously Francis sort of winking at the camera. Well, no, she, didn't she say, if you're looking for culture, why don't you go to a museum? Mm, oh, that's it. That's it. Which is not really, it was just sort of like a tourist board. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's her profession. We don't know what she does. Is she 
actually the same person as was married to him all those years ago. They look remarkably similar, which, which becomes... Well, I mean, they are the same. They look the same. It's yeah. the same. It's Winona Ryder again. That's not a sort of... That's not is a very a, clever uh, bit of casting. That's... Wait, is it a different actress at the beginning? Or is... No, it's oh. not. <laughs> no way. I thought they were different. It's the same. Oh, okay. The prosthetics. No, it's the same. Astounding. You know what? The first half hour, and that's actually mm. amazing. I absolutely love that. I thought, like, the costume design, where he's in a sort of red, muscular suit, and then she stabs the crucifix, all the blood comes pouring out. It's just uh, it's stunning. The soundtrack's great. But yeah, after mm-hmm. that, it just sort of slowly falls apart. So I haven't, I haven't heard the soundtrack. Um, but when we were at school, where we three met and uh, became mm-hmm. lovers in in our early school career, at year in year nine, I was tasked in music class to create a soundtrack for the film Nosferatu right. on the music notation system Sibelius. <laughs> <laughs> Had to participate in that, named after the Finnish composer. And if if the soundtrack in Dracula was anything like the one I composed for Nosferatu, it's dreadful and should not have seen the light of day. So, so if again we're judging on the standards of a score, we've not heard you compose to a score that we have heard because we've watched the thing we're discussing. Yeah, it's not very good. I yes. see. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Get <laughs> your teeth into you that. you still have the recording. Yeah, well, I, I listen to it whenever I watch the actual Nosferatu. Because I, I want to see you, my interpretation of it. How over. long was your score? Did you do one that lasted the entire runtime? Or was it yeah. an abbreviated? Yeah, the, the actual lesson asked for two minutes. But I said, please, sir, can I do the hour and 30 minute runtime? I've, re- I've really got a great idea. So oh, I, I, set, I set up a really nice kind of music um, like motif at the beginning that I thought would be a travesty not to kind of complete at the end. Could you, could you give us a sort of humming approximation of, of the score? Sure. Uh-huh. What was that? The answer. Very good. Uh huh. No, that was yeah. No, I think it certainly hits on the magic of of Nosferatu. I mean, if if you're if you're claiming Nosferatu to be a realistic portraiture, then we're going to have words, Tom. It's a magical film. I mean, as a silent film, you know, it doesn't even have to be scary. It could be a sort of Chaplin-esque comedy. <laughs> to just to, just to change, it can change entirely depending on the music you put behind it. Well, that, that, that would be making a mockery of Sibelius's programme, Tom. <laughs> he worked very hard to build that. <laughs> it was to be his legacy, yes, no, I know. And I'm sorry to him and his family for, <laughs> for, for mocking him now. Um, there, there is an yeah, Osteratu-inspired scene in the movie where Keanu's shaving, and then Dracula's mm. shadow sort of morphs. It's not. It's not aligned to his body. His shadow starts walking around as Keanu's chatting to Dracula. The directorial choices are sort of confusing because yeah, Keanu's shaving, and then Dracula's in the background, makes a noise. Mm-hmm. Keanu turns, and then the, the whole the whole point of the scene is that he cuts himself. 
but there's no indication that Keanu does cut himself until pretty much the scene's over. So there's no there's no fight mm. to it at all. I, I quite I quite liked the the disembodied shadow, but it struck me that it was being made a good ten at least ten years after Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein, yeah. where um, what's his name uh, the British comedian plays the you know, Igor, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who you mean. Will, can you remember the person's name? Uh, Big Eyes. Mel Melvin. Melvin? No. It'll come to me. Oh, what's his name? Yeah, as Igor, and he would appear and he'd have a different, and his hunchback, it would be on different bits of his back each time. And there apparently were two of them in different scenes, that kind of thing. It felt very much like along that same line of like his shadow because yeah. it wasn't his shadow was sort of doing sinister things no. his shadow is just gesticulating at different points in the same center <laughs> it's just like, it's very <laughs> it's just it's, we know, or his francis, hands um francis hired fired the vfx team because they, they had an emphasis on on computer generated graphics and instead he hired his son I'm not sure what his son's called, but he said he hired him because he liked magic. And so I don't, I don't know if his son sort of had control, creative control over what the shadow does. But I, it seems like the special effects team weren't in the greatest of care. Is that all his son got to do? Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> you deal with the shadow. Doesn't, doesn't matter if it doesn't align with the rest of the film. I enjoy uh, Marty Feldman, very, yes. What I enjoy about it is, though, it's like, it's like Dracula in that early bit of the film. He's not actually doing that much to Keanu Reeves. He's just sort of being a bit of a prank, like a supernatural prankster, just sort of extending his arm forward and tapping his shoulder and being at the door. Just be like, oh, you thought I was behind you, but actually I'm over here. You know, or crawling against the walls. He's not really doing anything. Well, there's there's that moment. So so he's the driver that drives him from the village and transports Vania to the castle. And then he kind of runs round mm-hmm. to the door and like peekaboo, <laughs> and then like goes round and like fixes the sheets and the pillows to pretend like he, he has a staff. Where Hawker like, is like, "Oh, are there any more pillow mints?" And Dracula has to be like, "In a minute," and then like, <laughs> like a Mrs. Doubtfire esque <laughs> transformation. He kind of like spins round and is wearing a dress with like a frilly thing. And a duster, then comes back. Did you get Mrs. the pillow duster? Mint? You've just met, you've just missed your boss. Have I? Is Heather the cleaner here? I bet she'll be here in a minute. <laughs> also, why does he have to be transported to London in various boxes? He is happy to appear in front of other people as just a normal bloke. What? What? What's the point of that? What's the disguise for? Well, the, the, the boxes is because he needs yeah. to sleep in uh, Transylvanian dirt, Tom. Why? So, well, thank goodness I was here to be the, <laughs> the master of Dracula law. Because in order, in order to sustain life, he needs to sleep um, in dirt of Transylvania. Really? Yes. Thus, thus the did... boxes and why the boxes are, are burnt ah. at the end of the film. Which wow forebodes his death and do you know will who the uh who the sort of the demon wives of frankenstein are well the, the various kind of succubi 
the, the succubi. Succubi. Is that one? Like Jonathan. Yes. Well, one of whom the, is Monica Bellucci. Are they all played by the same woman? No, there's three different women, but one of them is Monica Bellucci. The one who looks like Monica Bellucci <laughs> is Monica Bellucci <laughs> in one of the great twists. But there's yeah, who are they? Um, sex scene with Keanu as well, where he looks, I, I mean, he just looks greatly uncomfortable, which I know is kind of the idea, but I think it's just a reflection of his acting ability, where his range is you know, so limited. Mm. You don't really quite know what's going on. Well, the thing is, Rick, right? Answer this. If you were in a basement and suddenly found yourself having sex with three vampiric women who you've not been introduced to, I, I imagine principally you would be confused. I mean, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be sort of outraged necessarily. No, no. I think you'd run with it, but there, there would be a slight teething period for the, for the first sort of half hour. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, so throughout the movie, there's no, there's no sort of sense of space as well. There's, there's there's no sort of tangibility to them. There's especially this scene where scaling the castle exterior. Mm. It just looks absolutely bizarre. I mean, it's it's an iconic sort of tentpole scene. It's also on the cover of the book, but it's it looks it looks more intimidating or mm. that fantasial. It comes. Well, it's from... also it's, it's the worst of his powers to put on the book. It's like most people can climb. Yeah. <laughs> so the, and the, the ability to <laughs> climb down what is sensibly quite an easy stone wall is, yeah. is not something I would I would necessarily use as like an advertising uh, kind of prompt. He was just into extreme fitness. He just liked going sort of abseiling and climbing with his buddies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it's like quite good parkour. <laughs> <laughs> which um excuse mm. the pun in kind of vampiric terms i imagine is is part of the course it it, it comes from a wonderful point the the novel comes from a wonderful point in in sort of that kind of fiction in gothic fiction in which quite a sort of sober lawyer would go somewhere and be confronted with something heavily supernatural and strange. Just sort of write in his diary, this man seems to be behaving very strangely. He's up on the <laughs> ceiling. He's drinking <laughs> blood. He's got seven concubines all nude around him. I'm beginning to wonder if I'm in a particularly safe place. <laughs> Never mind. Off to bed. Yeah, but, yeah, think, like, they, they didn't try and hide what he looked like. It's like no. Gary Oldman was wearing a quite quite loud red cape and was <laughs> kind of like very grey and had a kind of line with like then like a semicircular like chipmunk face. Mm. And at no point did kind of really say, Well, that's not what humans look like. <laughs> <laughs> Something seems amiss here. I like very loud cape, as if that would be up there on the list of complaints. He sucked my razor, he floats across the floor, and a very vibrant choice of clothing. Bumping with a sort of eccentric homosexual. Ah! <laughs> me. So as, as we're approaching the tail end of the show, should, should we go into what we liked about it, what we didn't like, and then sort of give an overall score? Sure. I mean, Will can't really do that. Well, based um, on your interpretations, Will, what, what did you like about it? 
Maybe just what um, you like about Dracula generally. Uh, I, th I think <laughs> vampires have the most lore behind them and are therefore one of the most kind of well-written villains. Whereas I think things like werewolves tend to kind of fall down at the most basic um, unpicking of their characters. So, so <laughs> what Will likes about the film is that there are vampires in it. Yeah, I think I think Dracula without vampires would be a very dull film. That would be a very dull film indeed. That would just yeah. be a, a man going to someone else's house <laughs> and approving a sale. Um, would Tom Waits be eating insects if, if vampires weren't involved? Probably not. He wouldn't be possessed, would he? It'd just be Tom, Tom Waits without the insects. <laughs> well, it, it would just be a really oh. interesting... We've been upgraded. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. Zoom clearly have heard what we're doing and they're really <laughs> they on board. They want more. <laughs> a sideways glance at the movies have unlimited time. They haven't even got into Lucy yet. They need more time. <laughs> well, that, that was, I was going to say, I think Lucy might be my favourite part of the film. Her transforming. Yeah, no, seriously. When when she's in the in the bridal gown and then she throws up on on Hopkins when he's holding the crucifix, so it's wonderful. What? Well, where, where did she get the baby from? And where did yeah, they no, take no. it back? <laughs> the baby is really really out of place. Actually, she sort of sort of it's like slowly sort of glides down the stairs holding an infant. So then, it, uh -huh. like, did she did she bite the infant? So it's it's not that clear. No, I don't know. I mean, the the guy with the moustache very confidently takes the baby. Yeah. As if he's like, maybe that's why he's in the gang, because he knows if they discover a baby, he knows exactly where to put yeah. it. <laughs> well, I think that there's a, there's like moments in the book which are then kind of left out of the film, where Lucy goes on like a prolonged hebophilic rampage of kind of young tweens and biting and killing children, uh -huh. which I don't think is, sure. is picked up on the film. Sure. They're probably which which I think I think is very interesting. You 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 wanted more killing of, of young teens. Ideally, yeah. Well I I think it's <laughs> it's it's like people say, oh they tell the truth when they're drunk. I think when you get bitten by a vampire, your true sexual predilections predilections come mm. out. So I think sure. Lucy was a kind of underground paedophile that was then brought <laughs> to light, having been bitten. If you, if you get bitten by a pedo, do you turn into a pedo? Is that, is that the law? Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's understood. Yes, I think that was <laughs> that was Rolf Harris's chief line of defence. I never bit. I mean, why don't we talk about what we liked about the film in the meantime? Yeah. Okay, so so like I said, first half hour, I I really loved. I thought the, the editing's strong. I like the sort of vignettes where there's there's that one scene where they, they shoot one section on like 16 mil film when Dracula first, first gets to London. Rise in London. Yeah. Yeah. Which I actually find quite distracting, actually. I don't know if it really works that well. It's, it's only it's only on 16 mil for about half a scene and then it swaps mm. to, to normal. But I, I, I kind of I like the idea of it. Sure. Um, Gary Oldman's performance as well. So I, I mean, it's it's over the top for sure, but I, I, th I think it's it's really solid. I mean, I love I love the um, I love the battle scene at the beginning. I think that's 
extraordinarily mm. done. I mean, that, and also there's so much, given the sort of, the striking kind of colour palette uh, and the fact that no one's face is visible, it's, it's very sort of effectively staged because you know exactly what's going on despite the lack of information that the screen's giving you. Yeah, uh, he's impaling people left, right and centre. I know, he's like a ruddy madman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it made me think, thank God he's just a mere mortal. And, <laughs> you know, this was hundreds of years ago. Otherwise, we'd be in trouble. So you can imagine my horror at the next scene. So I think the costume design is is a, is a real standout as well. I think they, they were obviously trying to, to digress from the sort of hammy nature of, of previous incarnations. And also Mel Brooks sort of ruined, not didn't ruin Dracula for people, but obviously recontextualized them in a very comedic sense. So, you know, mm. I, I thought the costumes really, really did a good job of distancing. Yeah, you know, the old Dracula sure. from the new. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what 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 else did mm-hmm. you like about it? Um, I I thought there was some there was some individual shots which I thought, oh, this is you know this is someone who's like really trying to sort of recapture like early kind of gothic cinema, the kind of sudden kind of noise and sudden pans and sort of, I mean, the, the moment where Keanu Reeves is on a train and you see Dracula's eyes in mm. the distance. Little moments like that of of kind of like, what if you went fully into, fully committing to the Gothic, which I think, you know, obviously the film tries to do throughout. It just kind of comes a crop of when it's like, but you've got, you, you've brought the wrong people in to do this. Like, if you want to fully commit to the Gothic, you've got to have a Christopher Lee-type actor or a Peter Cushing-type to play Jonathan Harker and to, Mm. you know, so that that every scene is kind of slightly... You know, I mean, I quite like Anthony Hopkins because I think other than Gary Oldman, he's the only other person in the film who seems to not like seems to understand that what you're supposed to do in that kind of thing is turn it up to 11 and do a weird voice and be very extreme. Because that's the only way to kind of bounce off of like the set and the effects and that kind of thing. You have to be a bit creaky and a bit 50s actor type um, in order to land. Whereas I think Renona Ryder, who's, I think she's nowhere near as bad as Keanu Reeves, but it's just like, she's there, she's performing as if it's like a contemporary horror film. Which, mm, mm. which, which it isn't, and I think that, and I think it sort of feels a bit like weightless as a result, you know. Whereas whenever Gary Oldman is doing his, you mm. know, his his stuff, it, it it really works. Like you can suddenly see, like, oh, that's why Francis Coppola is making this, trying to make something different. Um, Interestingly, jo- Johnny Depp was supposed to uh, play Harker instead of Keanu. But then Columbia uh-huh. turned Depp down because he wasn't a big enough star, ironically. Oh, wow. And then brought Keanu in. It's, it's a shame that those are the only two actors <laughs> that we have. <laughs> yeah. If only there were kind of other people that could have brought life to that role. I think that okay. there's a plot point in Dracula, which again, I haven't seen. There's a mm. plot point in it where to find Dracula, they use Mina and their kind of telekine- telekinesis to track where he's going, which is then a plot point used again in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, 
to mm. find where Voldemort is um, with Harry's telekinesis between them. And in both cases, the evil character misleads them. And both films star Gary Oldman, um, which isn't helpful information, but so, it's what a, what a fun, what a fun yeah. tidbit. No, I, I, it's, it's a regular question at a pub quiz. Which actor has appeared in two films which feature misleading telekinesis as a plot point? <laughs> um, and I always write Jonathan Groff, and uh, he's not even in that many films. You know, <laughs> so I'm glad that I can finally answer that question. I always put Moneyball uh, and Inglorious Bastards. I always assume it's Brad Pitt, but but then more fool me. Well, I I like to think that Gary Oldman wrote both of those scenes. Or at least he was in Dracula and and then went up to whoever directed Mm. um, Harry Potter. I was going to say Christopher Columbus, but I feel like that's wrong. I think it's David. No, no, it was. He directed the first two. Yeah, you're right. Um, and said, actually, this great thing happened in Dracula. Can you can you work that in? <laughs> and he did. <laughs> to the betterment of the film. Uh-huh. You, so were, to... you were cheering on at that moment. You were like, yes, misleading telekinesis. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'll say, no, no, Harry, it's going to mislead you. It's bloody Dracula and Mina all over again. <laughs> For heaven's sake. So wrapping it up, um, we can rate it out of ten. Well, you can you can rate vampires out of ten, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll have a median score. It's also I'll probably I'll probably give it a seven seven and a half. Actually, no, seven. Seven, seven and a seven. half. Yeah, no, seven's way too seven and a half's way too. You've I'll, been I'll say, you've, you've been quite critical <laughs> about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know for some reason I. For some reason, I kind of like it, but it, it definitely comes with its flaws. But I, I feel like I'd definitely knock off a couple of points for for Keanu at least and general hamminess. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it a seven. I say sure. How about you? I, I'll give it a five and a half. I would give it a six, but there's that scene in it where Lucy's been bitten for the first time and she's on her bed, and the continuity of just there'll be some shots where she like her breasts hanging out of her dress. Yeah. And then others where she's like wearing a different red dress that's much less revealing. And so <laughs> I'm just imagining that they that like Francois Coppola either shot it with her wearing a very puritanical dress and was like, no, it's gotta have them out. Let's do it all. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, five and a half. Okay, do, do you I'm... think that's how vampires bite? Like they, they need to like kind of bring out the breasts <laughs> in, in order to kind of... Well, you're the expert, Will. You're the vampire guy. What, what, yeah. <laughs> what, what can you tell us? Yeah, so d- dating back to 1583, when vampires first appeared in, in kind of mythic mm-hmm. fiction, um, it was always said that um, the breasts had to be brought out of the corset in order for women to be bit. So you had to be a C cup or above, <laughs> okay, to, to elicit the the required kind of heaving. Sure. And, what, and what's the male equivalent of being? What do what do men have to have out in order to be bitten? Uh, you just kind of had to like peel the 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 balls and kind of peel place the them, <laughs> kind of place them outwardly of um, of the zip. 
and or button, depending on. Uh, era. Yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't tend to have zips in the in the 14th century. So, so when you say they, they peeled, you mean as in using a hand or some sort of instrument? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's what soup spoons were used before <laughs> the the invention of yeah. soup. <laughs> and so, and that thing, I I'd, I'd rate the film an eight. The thing oh, wow, I, okay. I didn't know, not to, I know you want to wrap up, Rick, but the thing I didn't know about vampire law was that apparently in the original thing, it was, it's not, you don't get bitten, you get bitten. And then before you die, you have to then drink vampire blood yourself, which is why when uh, Dracula bites Mina, he then cuts his, uh, his breast yeah. and she sort of suckles from it. It's a really um, awkward scene. You can't really tell what's going at like most of the angles. You can't quite tell what she's doing, and you're sort of second guessing yourselves. Like is she is she just drinking from his chest? Yeah, I mean it's a good thing that he didn't do that at Harrods. Otherwise, he'd be like, you know, they'd be removed. <laughs> well, on that note, score six point eight. So it's not terrible. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll, say it's, I'll say it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. Uh-huh. Uh, and when's it coming out in cinemas? It's coming out 28 years ago. So yeah, if you, you go back in time <laughs> to catch the premiere. I've got a couple ideas of what to review next, perhaps. Uh, top of the list is Flubber. But if you, if you have any other recommendations, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. May, may, maybe our loyal listeners can request a request Viewer. Viewer. Are we are we putting this out as this? Is this what? Oh, it's going to be both audio visual and audio visual. Oh wow! And the, yeah. the listener slash viewer, mm. you, you want you want to isolate them as an audience, so it feels as if we're communicating with with them individually. Hi, you. What would you <laughs> like us to do next? Something like that. And and we we'd be remiss at this point, um, not to say if if you enjoyed. Uh, Tom and Tom and my uh, review of film. Why not check out our podcast that has nothing to do with this? <laughs> and what's the podcast yeah. called? Or, review this, mother. Review this, there mother. We go. And uh, yeah, look out for it on the socials. Well, there we go. All right. Well, thanks there very we much, guys. And uh, no, yeah, until pleasure. next time, Absolutely. thank you for listening and watching and uh, have a great rest of your day.